Amen, amen, amen. Um, go ahead and uh, y'all can have a seat. Y'all can have a seat. Grab your Bibles. Turn me to Acts chapter number 22. Acts chapter number 22. <clears throat> Acts chapter number 22. Uh, while you're turning there, while you're turning there, kind of give me an update. Uh, last week we talked about um, the choir and how there, there is no choir right now. Okay, so, um, and, and some of that was just from the standpoint of uh, this summer, just the commitment and um, numbers of people that we needed up here. And we made the comment last week that if we get 15 people, 15 singers, to not only be up here but come to practice, that we would have a choir back. We'd bring it back. And so uh, I have good news to report. Um, we had 13 people here last, last Sunday night. Let's give God praise and glory for that. Uh, so you're like, but that's not, we don't have 15. We're getting there, okay? We're getting there. That's a positive thing. So 15, if we get 15 here, so what they're doing is they're in 2.30 to 4.00. Okay, so band practice and choir practice kind of come together, so 2.30 to 4, so um, either if you're in the choir, uh, or been in the choir, or can sing, or thinking about joining the choir, or can move your lips like you're singing, I'm just kidding about that one, okay, um, we want you here, okay, we want you here, uh, so, so please come out, and if the goal is if we can get 15 people consistently through the month of August, we will bring the choir back sometime in September. So y'all continue to pray about that. If we don't get there, that's okay. We just don't have enough people right now coming to make it happen, but maybe one day in the future we will. But that's kind of the update on that. So at this point, hopefully, you're at Acts uh, chapter number 22. Uh, before we get started, uh, go ahead and put my title up. The title of the message is, What's Your Story Continued? What's Your Story Continued? Now, um, I grew up uh, I grew up on a child of the 80s uh, into the 90s, and that was before we had DVR. Before we had Hulu, before we had Netflix, and all that kind of stuff. So, if I wanted to watch something on TV, I had to watch, I had to plan my schedule around a particular time to watch TV. Uh, I'm a big MacGyver fan. Anybody love MacGyver when you were growing up? MacGyver. Um, it's actually still on TV, believe it or not. If you get the 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 uh, uh, channel Heroes and Icons H and I, uh, you can get this, and uh, it's you go. It's like a and I think it's like an antenna whatever deal, maybe, I don't know, but uh, it comes on Saturday mornings, and most Saturday mornings, we're not doing anything, what am I watching? MacGyver, okay, and I was so excited about the episode I watched um, yesterday, because MacGyver said, do you have a ballpoint pen? MacGyver could do more with a ballpoint pen, uh, 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 Swiss Army knife, and a piece, piece of chewing gum that I could do if I had everything in front of me, like seriously, okay, but, but when I was growing up, it was on Sunday nights, and so we watched on Sunday nights, and, and I was not aware of kind of like the timing and all that kind of stuff, so I'd just get engrossed in the show. But some shows, like you'd watch it all the way to the end, and it's almost that climax. Something's about to happen, and then these three little words come on the screen. What were those three little words? To be continued. And you're like, oh, no, i got to wait all week until I get to watch this again. I know, it's hard. You teenagers have no clue what I'm talking about, all right? There's no such thing as on demand and all that kind of stuff. You had to sit down and watch TV at a certain time. But with all that said, uh, this is what this is kind of doing. We, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, talking about story, and so we're going to continue with story uh, this week. So, um, all, so that's kind of where we're going to continue to move that direction. Also, for all you people that love the outline, 
We have an outline today, okay? So there you go. We have the outline. So if you're like a taking notes kind of person, you're going to get your outline today. Now, some of y'all, if y'all are, are like me, I like things in order. I like one comes at, after one comes two, after two comes three. And some of y'all are getting really weird and freaking out because last week we were at Acts 20, and now we're in Acts 22, and you're like, what happened to 21? All right, so for you weird... Weird is a bad word, okay? Like me, who like things in order, let me review uh, Acts 21, okay? We're going to skip over that completely. So Acts 21, um, Paul is in the process of coming from Asia down to Jerusalem. Uh, he goes and he talks to the church at Jerusalem, uh, tells about how, how the work he's done with the Gentiles. They say, praise the Lord, but there's some people in the church, of, some Jews in the church of Jerusalem uh, that are very much following the rituals of the Jewish tradition, and so they do these rituals, and what they say is, hey, while they're doing these Jewish, Jewish rituals, taking vows, Paul, why don't you do the same thing as well? So Paul does that, more from the standpoint of reaching a Jew, not so much really to compromise his faith, because you wouldn't have to do that, but okay, we'll do that. And so he goes through that, shaves his head, is actually in the temple. While he's in the temple, other Jews see him and take him and beat him. Okay? Now, they're beating him. A riot in, um, what happens to a riot? A riot um, ensues. Thank you very much. All right? You helped me with the preaching. I love it. Okay? A riot ensues. Roman officials see the riot happening. They go and take Paul, and they take him out, more from the standpoint to stop the riot, not so much from the standpoint of really rescuing Paul, but to stop the riot. They take him, they, and, and they lead him, and so he is bound. Um, and from this point forward through the book of Acts, um, Paul is in custody, okay? And so we'll talk, over the next couple of weeks, he'll stand before certain different people basically defending his faith, uh, and then there'll be a shipwreck, and then he'll take on, on his way on to Rome and be a Roman prisoner, okay? And, and so that's kind of where we're going, the direction we're going, but that comes up to 2021. 20, so here's what's going on. They're taking him. They're taking him away, and he says, hey, look, I want to talk to these people. And so the, the crowd is hushed, and here he is on stairs about to say this. So um, first thing first, if you're taking notes, that's kind of where we are. First things first, we need to write down, number one, everyone has a past. Say that with me. Everyone has a past. Everyone has a past, okay? Everyone has a past. Let's look and see what, what um, Paul says specifically when he's addressing the crowd. So we're in chapter 22, verse 1. It says, Men, brethren, and fathers, hear me, hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. When they heard thee spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept more of the silence, and he saith, I'm verily a man which am a Jew. Okay, so he identifies himself as a Jew. Born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in this city, being Jerusalem, at the feet of Gamaliel. Gamaliel. Uh, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of, fa- of the fathers, and was zealous towards God, as ye are all are this day. Okay. Now, so first of all, what Paul does is he says, hey, look, I'm a Jew. I was born in Tarsus uh, in, in this particular city, and I sat underneath this very well-educated rabbi learning the ways of the Jewish customs. Okay. Now, when I talk about everyone has a past, a lot of... Uh, that, that your past does come into play, and it doesn't always be a negative thing, okay? Largely, the person you are is based upon where you were born and the people you were around, okay? I, 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 I talk different, um, I, I act different uh, in, in some ways because I'm from the South, okay? Y'all, gotcha, all right? I'm from the South. 
So, so when I, it's, it's, it's hard from the standpoint of I can't relate to somebody who grew up in Maine. Okay? When I talk to somebody who grew up in Maine and I say, hey, if a snow falls on the ground in Alabama, we close school down. When I talk to somebody, tell somebody that in Maine, you know what they do? They laugh at me. Because if you, can't, if you can physically get your door open, push it through the snow, like if it's, over, if it's not over your roof, then you go to school. Right? I can't relate to that. Well, I can't relate to going to a restaurant and asking for sweet tea, and they look at you funny. Y'all didn't know that, did you? You can only get sweet tea in the South. If you go to Maine and order sweet tea, they say, I'll bring you tea and the sugar's on the table. They do not make sweet tea, okay? So there's some things about where we're born and where the culture we're in that kind of frame us, but then also the people we're around. A lot of the, the way we are today and some of the things that we've kind of, who we are is based a lar- in large part to the people we hung around, our parents' influence, a lot of things about who we kind of became because of the people we were around. So everyone has a past, all right? Now, here's, here's what I want to tell you. Paul had a past, but don't, don't look at your past and go, well, that's, a, that's a, a bad thing or anything like that. Because in some ways, you can relate to people because of the, where you grew up and the people you're around. Say amen. Okay, so you can relate to people in that way, all right? I can relate to somebody. I, my, my, my parents got divorced when I was five years old, so I know what it means to, to live, in a, uh, live in, a, in, a, in a house with a single mom. I know what that is, okay? I, I, I know what it is from the standpoint of to, to, uh, not, to be in a household where nobody goes to church. I know what that is. So that's part of my past, but it's not necessarily bad or good. It's just the fact that that's what it was, okay? So everyone has a past. Now, he goes on. Verse 41, and, I'm persecu- I, and I persecuted this way unto death, talking about how zealous he was in this particular direction, binding and delivering into prison both men and women, as also the high priest doth bear me witness in all the estates of the elders, from whom, I re- I, whom also I received letters unto the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring them which were bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. So now he talks about a little bit of his past that's not very, very nice. Not very good, okay? So we understand what Paul was doing. Paul was finding people that were Christians, that were followers of Christ, before he found Christ. Followers of Christ, he would bound them, bring them to Jerusalem to be killed. Now let me help you with this. In some ways, our past is kind of, there's some, you know, it's, it's just the way it was. But everyone has a past that's a little dark. Say amen. Every one of us. Now why is that? Because we're all sinners, Every single one of us are sinners. We were born that way. And so we have a past. And we shouldn't run away from our past. Because in just a minute, you'll see why it's important that we don't run away from our past. In a lot of ways, what we need to do is we need to embrace our past. Because what our past shows is that, you know what, I grew up and these are things like that. But also in my past is sin. And the fact that I'm a sinner. So that's where it starts. We've talked about this with our story, especially with our story. Before we're going to tell them about Christ, we've got to tell them a part of our story that's really not that great and wonderful. It's not really pretty all the time. Like, I, I, I'm in the fact that I, when I share my story and my kids know the things that I did before Christ, like, that, I hate that, but it's reality. That's what happened. And so some of the parts of my past I, I, I'm, I'm embracing because it's just part of my past. And other parts of my past I don't really like and I want to hide and be ashamed or whatever. But I'm going to embrace it. There's a reason why. okay? Because, number two, 
Our past can be redeemed through Christ. Amen. Our past can be redeemed through Christ. And we're going to look at this in just a minute. But let's go on to what, what, what happens with Saul. Okay, and it came to pass, verse 6, that as my way made my way, made my journey, and was come nigh to Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. Commercial, this is kind of cool in my studies. Okay, at noon, the sun is pretty bright. Would you all agree? Pretty bright. Like it's up in the sky. Noon, bam, it's there. And the light that shone was brighter than the sun at noon. Really cool, really cool, really cool. Okay, verse 7. And I fell into the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, who art thou? I mean, uh, this is going to be a key word later on. And I answered, who art thou? Lord. And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. Now, here's what we need to understand about our sin. Our sin is not necessarily against other people. Our sin is against God. Our sin is against God. Now, our sin may affect other people, but our sin is a sin towards God. And so it affects God. And so that's why he's calling him specifically and saying that who you're persecuting is not the, the individual Christians that you're going after. The one you're persecuting is Jesus. Verse 9, And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they that heard not the voice of him, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. So here we are, we, 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 have, we, we have his past, just from the standpoint of where he grew up and who he was influenced by. Obviously, some, some, the sin, the things he was doing that were not pleasing to God, and yet he did it anyways, but that, that, that all that acknowledges the fact that he's a sinner, like we're all sinners, okay? And then, from the, then we look and see, okay, what, what, is, what is happening? Even in the midst of his sin, even in the midst of his sin, Romans 5, 8, but God commends his love towards us in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so because of that, so here we go, is that what, what he does is, is that because of Christ, our past, his past is redeemed because of Christ. And here's what's really cool. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. None of us would have picked Paul to be the greatest missionary alive, would we? Would you have picked him? The guy who persecuted Christians and killed Christians? I wouldn't have done that. But yet Christ did. Here's what's really cool about Christ. Christ is looking for the worst of the worst. Amen? He's looking for the worst of the worst. He's not looking for the goody two-shoes. Because here's the people that, that if, if people think they're, they're all great and wonderful, here's what I figured out. The people that think they're great and wonderful, Christ can't use them. Because you know why? Because here's the deal. They don't think they have a past. But here's, a, here's somebody about, about Paul, and later on in his writings, you see this just dripping over. What Paul realizes is that, you know what, I didn't deserve it, but Christ used me anyways. And he was thankful for it. And he knew he wasn't, he knew he wasn't worthy of it, but, ha, but, but God used him anyways. Not only is our past can be redeemed through Christ, and when we tell our story, we need to tell people about our past, but also we need to tell people how Christ, what Christ did for our past and how he, he redeemed us and that we were sinners, and only through him and his righteousness are we righteous before him. Because let's be honest, everybody needs to understand this. If we die in our sin, where do we go? Hell. And the only way we escape hell is not by anything that we do, but all by what who do? Who does? Christ. 
And so because of Christ, we can be redeemed, and He can redeem our past so we can have a home in heaven with Him. And what's really cool is that even in this, from the standpoint of where he was, here was, here was oh, this is great. Because Paul is a Jew, a Jew in birth, but a citizen, a citizen of Rome, he's able to go back and forth. Because of the past he had, he was able to minister somebody. Not because of his redemption, but because of his past. Now here's the last thing. This is where we're really going to stay a little closer down. Uh, look, we're going to hunker down. Here we go. Number three, Christ redeems us for a purpose. Christ redeems us for a purpose. Now, um, let's, talk about, let's talk about the word purpose for just a minute. Uh, purpose is a really popular word in the church nowadays. Uh, we want to help you find your purpose. We want to help you find your destiny. You know, th- it, this is, okay, let me pull back the curtain a little bit. Okay, so y'all know when y'all hear this kind of stuff. Here's what they're, they're saying. Find your purpose. Find your destiny. Here's what churches are really saying. We need you to work in the church. We need you to serve. And instead of us saying, hey, we need you to serve and work, what we say is, find your purpose. Find your destiny. Y'all didn't know that, did y'all? Okay, I'm not trying to throw you off a little bit. But here's what, what happened in churches. Here, if we say, find your purpose, find your destiny, you know what we've made it all about? You! We made it all about you! But really all we're saying is serving the church. Now, do I want you to serve in the church? Absolutely, we need help. <laughs> we need help! Okay? But, but and, and there was a, and I'm not trying to throw off on this individual, and maybe you've read the book, but, but we, we the, there's this book that came out by Rick Warren a long time ago, I guess it was probably in the early 2000s, called The Purpose Driven Life. And it had a good, good message and all that kind of stuff, and maybe you've read the book. But even like, it, it, then it, the, the book was written called The Purpose Driven Church. I think The Purpose Driven Church came before Purpose Driven Life. But it just, it's creeped into the church that it's about, that purpose is all about finding you. And so when I say purpose, when I say purpose, I, I, I don't want you to be, be confused on what that means. Because sometimes we talk about purpose in general like it's some special, wonderful thing that God has completely designed for you to do, and you better go find that one thing that God has asked you to do. Let me help you what your purpose is. It's right here. This is your purpose. Right here. It, it, whatever is found in this book is your purpose. Now, we're going to talk about a, a specific purpose in just a minute, but this is your purpose. And let me help you with this. This is what I think we've done as, as Christians is we have picked what it means to follow Christ that it's about all the things I don't do. It, it's about, we, 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 look at the, we look and we say, okay, I didn't murder, I didn't lie, I didn't this, I didn't cheat, I didn't commit adultery, I, I, I didn't cuss, I, didn't, I don't do this, I don't get drunk. I don't, and we, get, we have this long list of things they were saying, okay, here's, what, here's these, these purposes that I'm doing. I'm following after God because of all the things I don't do. Well, let me ask you this question. Aren't there things over here that Christ wants you to do that are also about His purpose? But we look at Christianity going, hey, I'm not too bad. Like, I'm not doing the bad stuff. Okay, I understand that. But how much of the good stuff are you doing? I told you I was going to come back to this back to this. Um, this uh, word, Lord. Look, uh, put up uh, Romans uh, 10, 9, and 10. 
Romans 10, 9 and 10. Because i got to apologize for something, because I used to say this, and really, in reality, it's not true. So Romans 10, so, so this is going down the Romans road. If, this is what you would, if you were going to lead someone to Christ, this is a great place to start and take them down through. Because here we go, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means we're all sinners, every single one of us. There's not anybody that says, I'm not a sinner. If you say you're not a sinner, guess what? That's your first sin. You lied. <laughs> okay? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Death at sin leads to death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We talked about this already, Romans 5.8, but God commendeth, or put on display, God commendeth his love towards us, and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we, we, we established I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and he died for my sins. So what do I have to do about it? So you take in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the, the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Verse 10, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Go back to verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Now let me help you with this a little bit. Because I've said this comment, and it sounds real, real good preaching-wise, but it's not biblically accurate. I've made comments about, for some people, Jesus is their Savior, but not their Lord. But let me help you with this. You can't have one without the other. They're one and the same. Does that make sense, what I'm trying to say? You, can't ju- you cannot put t- Jesus is my Savior. He saved me from my sins. I'm going to heaven, but He's not my Lord. If you acknowledge Him as Savior, you have to acknowledge Him as what? Lord. Now, acknowledge Him as Savior and Lord is different, okay? In, in the way that what, because if Savior, okay, He saved me from my sin. I'm going to heaven. The Lord is, He's in charge, He's the boss. He's the one who tells us what to do. And so if the Lord says it, we're supposed to what? Do it. We're supposed to do it. And so if you said, I'm saved, Buchanan, great. I love that. What are you doing for the Lord? Because you have a purpose. There's a reason why you're here. Because Romans 14, uh, or John 14, 15. Is it 14, 15? John 14, 15? Yes, this is a great verse to memorize, by the way, because it's short. All right? If you love me, what? Keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. So if you love the Lord, what you're supposed to, what that means is that you are keeping his commandments. Not just the thou shalt not, but the thou shalt. Now, let's jump into the, back into the verse. So, verse 10. And I said... What shall, notice this, verse 10. And I said, this is Paul. And I said, what shall I, what's the next word? Do, and then what's the word after that? Lord. What am I supposed to do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, arise and go in Damascus, and there it shall be told of thee all the things which are appointed for thee to do. That there is a purpose I have for your life, appointed for thee to do. That's the first time we're going to see, that's, that's one time we're going to see from the standpoint of, of, of uh, an obligation of what to do. Verse 11, And when I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of them that were with me, 
I came into Damascus. One Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And the same hour looked up upon him. Verse 14, and he said, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will and see that just one, and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. Verse 15, For, remember we talked about four last week, why has he done this? Why has he allowed you to see this? For thou shalt be his what? Witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. So, not only, so he says like you've been appointed to something to do. And then it's confirmed from the same one of what that thing to do by Ananias. That look you're going to be a witness. A witness of what you've seen and heard. And now, why tarriest thou, arise and be baptized and wash away, away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And it came to pass that when I, was, when I was come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance. And saw him saying unto me, Make haste, and get thee quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive thy testimony concerning me. And I said, Lord, they know that I imprisoned and beat in every synagogue them that believed on, on thee. And when the blood of thy martyr Stephen was shed... I also was standing by, notice this, because we didn't get this when we first studied Stephen, also I was standing by and consenting unto his death. So Paul was like, do it. It wasn't just that he was an innocent bystander, he was allowing it to happen and kept the raiment of them that slew him. And he said unto me, depart, for I will send. Okay, there's another thing, okay, so, so appoint unto you, be a witness, send the far hence unto the Gentiles. And notice this in verse 22. And they gave him audience unto his word, then lift uh, unto this word, that word Gentiles. Okay, So they were all about it until he said the word Gentiles. Then lifted up their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. Okay, Now, um, I need, I need um, a man... A woman, a, a teen girl, and a teen guy to come up on this stage right now. I will not make you talk, I promise. Not everybody run at one time. Okay, there's one. There's two. Oh, man, here's the teenagers. You're like, I wish I'd have come to the first service. I wish I'd have come to the first service. <laughs> come on, a teen guy and a teen girl. I will not make you talk. I promise you. Come on, there, okay, all right, I need a teen guy, please, please don't leave, ah, yes, here we go, nice, nice, Holly Pond, represent, <laughs> you're not Holly Ponder, right, okay, all right, so here we go, Holly Pond, right, Holly Pond, there we go, all right, so, got a question for you, y'all look pretty, by the way, they look pretty, say all, okay, y'all are hating my guts right now, it's all right, okay, Right, let me ask you a question. Just looking at them, by what they're wearing, expression on their face, whatever, do you know that they're a Christian? No. Everybody say that with me. No. Okay. Now, based upon their actions, now this is a trick question, okay? Just in case you're wondering, okay? Because you're going to want to say this. Based on their actions, can you know they are a Christian? No. 
Okay? Why do I say that? Because there are people that are not Christians that have good morals. Okay? It's not only Christians that are opening the door for people. Okay? It's not just Christians that are being nice to the waiter or waitress. It's not just Christians that, that don't cuss or drink or, you know what I mean? Okay? There are non-Christians that do it too. Would everybody agree with that? Say yes. Okay. So everybody would agree that what they look like or even what they do does not determine if they're a Christian or not. Now, who knows, who knows definitively whether these people are Christians or not? The Lord and themselves, okay? All right? So each one of these people know, know whether they are a Christian or not because it's between them and the Lord. So what is the only way for someone to know if they are truly a Christian? If they tell you. If they tell you. If they tell you. And how is the only way that we know for sure that somebody else is a Christian? If we what? If we ask. If we ask. Hopefully the wheels are turning right now, okay? All right? Y'all are good. Thank you very much. Give my hand. Woo. Now, why am I saying all that? Why am I saying all that? Because here's what I think has happened in, in our Christian lives. We've gotten lazy. I'll say it again, we've gotten lazy. Because here's what we've done is we thought, you know what, I'm just going to live it out in front of them. And you should live it out in front of them. But even if you live it out in front of them, there's no if I if I sit in a if I'm if I'm at a restaurant, I'm sitting there, and I greet the person, and I leave a nice tip. And, I, and I'm, um, you know, I clean up my mess or whatever, that, that does not in any way, shape, or form prove that I'm a Christian. Does that make sense? But what we've done is we, we, we don't want to, we, we don't want to, we don't want to, we want to be comfortable, convenient, and, 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 and you're like lazy, is that, some of y'all don't like being called lazy. It's okay. We, did you notice this? Everyone, our, us, like I'm not saying y'all, I'm saying us, Okay. We've gotten lazy as Christians because here's what happens. Here's what I think what's happened. We want to fit in. We want to fit in. We want to look like everybody else. We don't want to be pointed out in a different way. We want to just blend in and fit in and nobody ask me anything. Let me do my thing. You know, I'm, I, I got my personal walk. That's all good. But we are called to be witnesses. Acts 1.8 but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Do you notice this? Why did they, why did they need the Holy Spirit? Because they, they were going to be witnesses. Not if we chose to be a witness. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit because you shall be a witness. So the only person who knows if I'm a Christian or not is if I tell them. Or the only way I know if somebody else is a Christian is if I ask them. Now, I know that's difficult for some of y'all, but here's the deal. we got to get over that. <laughs> and I'm not trying to say it in an ugly way. I'm just saying it's reality. We have got to get over that. Uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you a quick story, and then we'll be done. So one week, there's one week that I, I, I made a promise to myself that every single person that I had a conversation with, I was going to pray with them. So I did that. And, and, and it was weird at first, okay? Kind of awkward at first. And I did it, but I, and, and, and God did some really cool things about it. And I made a comment to somebody else. I said, I like this version of me. 
I like this version of me. Like, it, what, what, it, I think we're all on the same page here. Do we need to pray? Say yes. Okay, are there people that we come in contact with that need our prayer? Yes. So whose responsibility do we need? Wouldn't it be, don't you believe that the Bible clearly talks about that we need to pray for other people? Say yes. Yes. So I like that version of myself. But you know why I stopped doing it? Because of criticism I got from other Christians. And they weren't trying to be mean. They were just like, man, that's weird, that's different, all kinds of And I kind of stopped doing it. I shouldn't say I kind of stopped doing it. I just stopped doing it completely because I'm like, I don't want people to think I'm weird or different or whatever. But you know what? Maybe it's time we're a little weird and different. Maybe it's time for us to be a little crazy. Now, some of y'all got a little too much crazy. Dial that down a little bit. Okay? Dial that down. I, I said this the other day. I said this in the first service. And really, it, it, I, I hope it's an encouragement to you. Um, have you I, I, some of the craziest, foolish, we'll call it stupid stuff I've ever done in my life, I did it with other people. <laughs> know what I'm talking about? <laughs> it's amazing. When, when, hey, when seven people want to go bungee jumping, let's go bungee jumping. But if I'm just like, this is a hypothetical situation, by the way, okay? Do not, do not, do not be like, we're going bungee jumping with Buchanan. No. I, was, I wanted to skydive, and then I talked to somebody. Uh, this is going to scare you all out of skydiving. I was going to go skydiving. Really, that was like, that's like my bucket list thing. I want to do that. But then I talked to Angela, whose cousin, whose parachute didn't open, and he hit the ground. He didn't die. He broke his back and all these other things. I'm like, I can't do this now because that's my biggest fear. It's not about the jumping. It's about the hitting the ground part that I don't like. But saying all that, we're a lot more bold when we're together, right? We're a lot more bold, okay? And, and what, what was interesting that when I was praying for everybody, that the one day I was really bold about it, we were with other people. And, like, that was good. Like, it encourages me. Like, even from the standpoint of the only reason why I'm doing this is because I need to let them know I'm not going to, like, I'll do this too. Like, let's do this kind of thing. But, but here's what I want to encourage you about. Why don't we just be crazy and weird and different together? You know what I mean? I understand. I, I, I say I understand. I get the, the, the idea of, man, I don't want to be out there by myself. I don't want people to think I'm weird and different. You know what? Let's be weird and different together. I encourage you about this. this some, uh, maybe, this is, maybe this is not a good promotion of the whole deal, but we want everybody to get in a continue group. Everybody. I want everybody in a continue group. Wouldn't it be awesome if a continue group got together and said, hey, we're going to go through this book, and by the way, we're going to be crazy, weird, and different. We're going to go share the gospel too. And then we can come back on, uh, come back to our group and we can say like, man, that, that, was, that was weird, that was crazy, that was, uh, I don't know. And then somebody in your group's like, yeah, I know it, man. It was the same thing. Yeah, but we're in this thing together. Okay, but like, and I know I keep talking about this, and this is, I'm talking to me, is I do, I'm just really tired of playing the game. I'm really tired of like blending in. I'm really tired about, about trying to be like, okay, hey, everybody's Christian by label, and, and everybody goes to church somewhere. Okay, great. You go to church, you label yourself a Christian, but I'm ready to act like one. I'm ready to act like one. And part of acting like a Christian is Spreading the gospel. Okay, very, che- very cheesy. Preachers use this all the time. What is the only thing you can take to heaven with you? Somebody else. The only thing you can take to heaven with you is somebody else. 
So everything else we do from the standpoint, I'm not saying it's not a good thing. I'm not saying it's not making an impact. Uh, we don't, you, you need to keep the thou shouts knots going and, and the thou, other thou shouts. Here's the deal. From the standpoint of the impact of eternity, the only thing that's going to make an impact of eternity is whether someone knows they're lost or saved and if they're going to heaven or hell. That's reality. Okay? Let's everybody stand. Let's everybody stand.